Hello, and welcome to Trending Peoria. I'm your host and proud Peoria Unified alumna, Sarah Meredith, and I'm so eager to take you on this journey as we learn more about the importance of public education and the amazing work our staff do every day to ensure every student is prepared to not only meet tomorrow, but to help shape it as well. What's currently trending in Peoria Unified? Retaining the best teachers possible. This is the time of year that our Human Resources Department begins to recruit teachers for the next school year. Today, I am joined by Nina Buckley, our lead instructional coach, who is leading the efforts to modernize their workforce. Nina supports all of our new teachers, and we are so glad to have her here to discuss the ways in which Peoria Unified teachers are supported. I am also joined by Mrs. Megan Cox, teacher at Coyote Hills Elementary School, who for the last three years has had students with the highest math scores in the district. She shares her strategy for supporting her eighth graders along with their educational journey. Welcome, Nina. We are so excited to have you here today to talk a little bit about the ways that we support our new teachers once they come to us here in Peoria Unified. Can you start by sharing a little bit about your role as our lead instructional coach, as well as what our instructional coaches do on a daily basis? Absolutely. So like Sarah said, I'm Nina Buckley. I'm the lead instructional coach in Peoria. And my role is pretty much to not only be an instructional coach, but also to help lead our instructional coach team who services the Title I schools in our district. So each Title I school is supported by an instructional coach. And part of the role of, of our team is to support new teachers, but also to support veteran teachers that could be in need of support, either supports they have chosen to receive or possibly administration has you know, asked for additional support with. But another component of the role of the instructional coach is also to support the district in the initiatives and goals that the district has district-wide. So as an instructional coach and part of the team, we are definitely supporting Peoria Unified School District, but also keeping you know, a focus on those new teachers. At the beginning of the school year, as we start each school year, we offer a new teacher orientation to help welcome our new teachers to the district. And we spend two days with them, helping to prepare them to welcome their students on that first day of school. So getting them familiar with technology, um, helping them learn all things Peoria, helping them establish their classroom environment and what routines and procedures they might want to incorporate, um, helping them to understand Peoria's expectation in terms of lesson design and quality instruction, where they can find their curriculum, where they can find their curricular resources. So all of those things that we feel a new teacher would need to be successful their first week or so of school. And then the instructional coaches follow up with those new teachers well into the first month of school, but then also offer support throughout the rest of the school year with that same group that they worked with at new teacher orientation. Yeah, and your instructional coach is, I think, something that's very unique. You said a lot of times teachers may ask them to come in and support, or it would be at the direction of an administrator, but unlike their administrator, your coaches are really there to come alongside the teachers and 
help them and build them up and say, hey, this is a really great instructional practice. This is something I used to use in the classroom. And it's it's just a little different than having maybe your principal come in and have that same conversation. Absolutely. The work that the instructional coach is able to do is more of a team approach. It's two educators sitting side by side and you know, discussing and brainstorming and planning for ways to either strengthen instructional practices, or sometimes it's not even the need to correct something, but just to offer new ideas, or possibly um, the school site or the district are seeing trends in a particular area. And so maybe the coaches are working side by side with teachers to help look at data or to help plan for engagement I know right now, you know, Peoria has started basically an e-campus for K-12, and we haven't really had that at the elementary level um, prior. And so we've even been doing some work with e-campus and helping to support those online teachers with how to engage their students and just make that online teaching and learning experience more meaningful for both the teacher and the student. So you're right, Sarah, it's about a team approach. There is no evaluative characteristic to it at all. Um, the role of the coach is to support, to work with these teachers side by side, to be a teammate. It's, it's really about that team approach. Definitely. And I think that's something that makes that program so successful because you have those relationships where teachers feel comfortable then going to your coaches. And it's just, it's a really good relationship between teacher and coach. Um, I know you said you guys kind of focus a lot of your energy around new teachers and new teacher orientation, which is um, in summer before school starts. Can you share what makes that such a unique program to us here in Peoria Unified and so beneficial for our new teachers? Absolutely. I think what makes it unique for Peoria is not every school district is able to offer the level of support that we are able to offer to our new teachers. I know that um, that is one of the reasons why we do attract some of our new teachers is because they know that when they agree to be part of the Peoria family that they are getting that instructional coach support um, for as long as they need it. You know, there's no expiration date. And so I think the fact that we are able to welcome our new teachers prior to their contract time um, and give them compensation for spending time with us and really helping to prepare them for welcoming their students. We get a lot of feedback from new teachers that they have come from other districts and this has by far been the best start to a school year they've had. Um, we've also received feedback that the new teacher support that we're able to offer is one of the reasons why they chose Peoria. So it is a very unique experience for new teachers in Peoria. And then again, like I said, the coaches that are working, both content coaches, special education strategists, along with the instructional coaches, once they build those relationships with their new teacher cohort at new teacher orientation, they don't abandon them. They stick with them through the entire year if needed. They check in with them. They have meetings with them. They will go out and visit them at their school site if needed because not all of our schools have an instructional coach. So when we have a school that does not have an instructional coach, 
it really is a team approach to think about, okay, what are the best supports that are needed for a particular teacher? And then we decide, is it a content coach or is it a SPED strategist or is it myself, the lead instructional coach, or is it Sherry Piazza, the professional development coordinator? You know, is it an instructional coach that has already built a relationship with this teacher? So I think that's another thing to consider when looking at our the levels that we have for not only new teacher but veteran teacher support is that even if you're not at a title one school we still will do everything we can to offer them the same type of support that those title one schools are able to receive definitely and i think you bring up a good point too that just because you have this team of instructional coaches doesn't mean that that is the only support our teachers receive. They do have those content coaches who come in and if they're struggling with their content area, or maybe they've always been a math teacher and now they're being expected to teach ELA to give them those strategies as well. And so it really is a multifaceted kind of support system that all of our teachers have. Yes, and we also have um, another layer that we were able to add a few years ago are our teacher cadre leaders, um, and those are, you know, an established teacher on a campus that has exhibited some leadership, you know, qualities. Um, they are a master teacher, they have good instructional practices, and they agree to support the new teachers on their campus if an instructional coach is not assigned to their school. So even though they're not necessarily coaching, there's still that person that's there on campus every day that can add, answer questions about all things Peoria, or for example, all things Lake Pleasant Elementary, you know, helping them with, with the grade book and parent-teacher conferences. And, you know, this is what I do as a teacher. So you guys might want to think about this, you know, having a subfolder, just all of those little things that new teachers need that sometimes people who have been in education a while forget about. So we are blessed to have that extra layer of support out at our non-title schools so that at least there's someone that those teachers have as that everyday support person. And then they can reach out to me or their administrative team if they feel like additional support is needed. And that's when we really sit down and, and brainstorm, okay, what is the best support? Is it a content coach that's needed? Because really classroom environment looks great, instructional practices are great, but they're struggling with understanding their content and maybe being able to plan for their content. Or is it a special education teacher who needs some specific special education support that a strategist would be better served for? So it really is a team effort to make sure that every teacher in our district is receiving the support they need. Yeah, and those cadre leaders too, I think one of the really great things about them um, is that there are teachers that are right there on the campus and so they're able to support and give kind of those site specific things, but as much as they're helping to grow that new teacher on their campus, they themselves are growing in their leadership experience and maybe, oh, this is something that I haven't tried in a while, but you know what? It worked for me years ago, so I'm going to reintroduce that and it just kind of, it helps them grow as much as it helps anyone else on their campus grow. Yeah, that is so true. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think anytime that we're supporting another educator, we naturally grow um, as an educator as well. I know that 
you know, in the years that I was in the classroom and then as an instructional coach and now as the lead coach, I feel like every day I learn something from someone I am interacting with. And I think that's what makes education amazing is that we are lifelong learners, no matter what your role is. And we definitely grow from each other and appreciate that time to collaborate and brainstorm ideas. I don't, I don't know how effective we would be without those opportunities. 100%. And I, I think something else that is just so great about the work that your team does is being a either veteran teacher who is new to their campus, their grade level, the district, or a new teacher fresh out of college, it can be so overwhelming um, as kind of a little bit of an understatement. And so something you guys really prioritize is not giving them all of the information at once. It's giving them what they need to know right then to be successful. Yeah. And we also recognize that, you know, at the beginning, it is about building those relationships. And you had mentioned that earlier. That is one of the strengths, I believe, that our district is able to offer to all teachers is we are family oriented and we really work on building those relationships. And you know that when a relationship is built, that just makes any type of support stronger. And so being able to focus on just what do we need right now? What is the right work for right now? That seems to be our motto for the last couple of years. Um, building those relationships, getting to know a teacher's teaching style, getting to know what their classroom environment is like. All of those things are so important because then when those instructional supports are needed, that relationship's already been built, the coach and teacher are already familiar with each other. So then it becomes just a seamless process of working together and it's not threatening in any way. Mm -hmm. And I know there are so many other things that you guys kind of continue to do throughout the school year. You guys have professional development on those modified Wednesdays. Um, and it, it is, it's a continued kind of relationship. It's not Oh, nice to meet you. Here's your stuff. You're on your own. It is there. There is the support any turn along the way that a teacher may need. Yeah, through, you know, whether it's district professional development, site professional development, um, working closely with Mike Moss on different data components that we can be supporting teachers with, you know, how to access their data and how can we use this to guide our instruction and support our students and have that positive impact on student learning, you know, working closely with, with Cindy Moss and the content coaches to make sure that we are very familiar with, with the curriculum and all of the different resources that are available and what SchoolNet has to offer and what SchoolNet can do for us. So I think there are just so many pieces that we are constantly thinking about, okay, what do we need now? What is that next step? Where are we at in the school year? And then making things relevant and purposeful and timely, just so that the teachers feel like at every step of the way, they have what they need. Definitely. And if there is a new teacher who is listening to this or who's getting ready to start on job interviews to, for a teaching job, what would be one piece of advice that you would um, give that new teacher? The best I could, advice I could give a new teacher, whether they are already a part of Peoria Unified School District or possibly considering um, choosing us as their home when they start their career as a teacher, I would say give yourself some grace. Um, be patient 
it's not all going to happen at one time, but it will happen. It will all come together. And every day it gets a little better. And by the end of the school year, you get to reflect and you get to think about all the things that work and maybe things that you would like to do differently. And you get a fresh start the next year. So I would say really just giving themselves some grace and not expecting it to be perfect right from the start. And just know that if you do choose Peoria or if you're already in Peoria, we are here to support you. And we want to make sure that you have everything you need to be a lasting member of the Peoria family. That's amazing. And I think that is such a great piece of advice because especially as teachers, you know, they can see their students grow throughout the year and see how they started off maybe not understanding this theory and science and now they can recite it like it's nothing and apply it to all these things. And, but a lot of times they forget to give themselves that grace to also be growing and learning because as you mentioned, we're all lifelong learners. And so it makes sense that where I started my school year as a teacher and where I end it are going to be two very different places. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Nina, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to share um, with our community about your role as an instructional coach or maybe just some of the things that you've seen and experienced in your years here in Peoria Unified? Sure. I've been in Peoria for a long time. This is my 28th year, I believe. And I, it's never even been a question in my mind that this is where I belonged. And I think part of the reason why I feel so strongly about what we are able to do, not only for teachers, but also the impact we have on student learning is that the people who are here are truly here because they believe that kids not only deserve, but have the right to a good education. And if we can make sure that students are engaged and that they're learning what they need to be learning um, and that they are building relationships and they are having meaningful experiences, that is why we're here and that's what makes it all worth it. So, you know, as the lead coach, my number one priority is to make sure every student is able to learn in whatever way that they need for them. And that's what I work with my coaches on and that's what they pride their work on is being able to build those relationships with their students, with their teachers, with their school sites. Some of them are involved in the community things that are happening and just really meeting the needs of all stakeholders to make sure that our students are learning. And that really is our top priority. That's amazing. Nina, thank you so much for joining us today to talk a little bit about your work and all of the ways that our um, teachers are supported in their time here in Peoria Unified. I cannot thank you enough for joining us. It has been a pleasure being here. Thank you, Sarah. Well, speaking of retaining the best teachers possible here in Peoria Unified today, I am so excited to be speaking with Mrs. Megan Cox from Coyote Hills, who year over year has some of the best test scores here in Peoria Unified. Megan, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Um, I am actually a proud graduate of the PUSD school district. I went to Pioneer um, from kindergarten through eighth grade, and then I graduated from Cactus High School. And then I went to Grand Canyon University to obtain my bachelor, bachelor's degree in secondary education, emphasis in math. Um, I did my 
student teaching here at Coyote Hills while I was still at GCU. And then um, Mr. Terry Ballier decided he saw what he liked and uh, hired me on full time that following year. So I've been teaching for six years here at Coyote Hills and I absolutely love it. Um, I'm married to a wonderful business banker at U.S. Bank, and um, we actually are looking to buy a house and kind of start our family in the next few years here in North Peoria. So, yes, that's that's about it for me. That is all so exciting, and it's also so exciting as a, a Peoria Unified alum as well to hear that there are more um, people who just had such great experiences being students here in our district. They can't wait to come back and continue doing some of that work um, for the students and kind of the next generation. Um, yeah, that's definitely how it was for me. I had great teachers, both at Pioneer and Cactus, that definitely shaped um, shaped me and really inspired me to, to become a teacher. I remember my eighth grade math teacher, and I think that was that year that really was like, wow, I really like math. And so I kind of knew from that moment on, like, yep, I'm ready. I think I'm called to be a teacher. So definitely a lot of great things from Peoria District. Definitely. And well, and that's, you bring up a great point that it was kind of this calling for you to be a math teacher. And I know some of our teachers like yourself who have the best test scores, a lot of it is this inner passion that they have to do the best and to continue building that legacy. And you have had very, very impressive test scores over the last year. What do you kind of point to as the reason for your success, what in your classroom um, is so different than maybe some of the other classrooms across the district? Um, something that just might be kind of unique about me is that I, I move at a pretty quick pace and I have um, high standards and I've always kind of been that way. Um, when my admin comes in to observe me, that's always one of the first things they say in our meetings afterwards is, yep, Miss Cox, you always move fast and, and you always have high standards. And I think that's something that students actually really enjoy. I, I, you know, my, my level, my bar is really high and it's always amazing year after year how many students I mean, they have amazing growth because they have so much room to grow. I, I set that bar high and um, they they rise to the occasion. I really think that students like to be challenged. And, you know, I have a little bit of a advantage, you know, holding that. Hey, guys, we're you're getting into high school next year. Like you're you know, it's getting the game's getting more real. It's becoming, you know, more real life. You're getting ready for that college. And so getting them prepared for their for their high school career and setting that bar high, I truly think is something that um, separates me and, and the students, like I said, they they surprise me year after year at how much they're willing to, to go that extra mile to kind of reach those standards. Yeah. And I think we recently did an interview um, with Miss Amy Hutter over at Ironwood. She's a science teacher there about why rigor is so important. And it is students will rise to the occasion. And especially in something like math, it's a way where you can take these base things they already know, tweak them a little bit and get them thinking about those applications in a new and more rigorous way. Yes, definitely. Shout out to Amy Hutter. Her husband was my choir teacher at Pioneer and whoop made me fall in love with singing. So shout out to the Hutter family. Another just great example of the teachers here in Peoria Unified. Yes. And I know you said your expectations for your students are high. And I also know kind of looking back at the last couple of years, we've been going through a pandemic and I know it is easy to want to say, okay, let's lower our expectations. Has that been something that has crossed your mind or that you've done in your classroom? 
So last year, um, you know, we started off those first few weeks online and then transitioned in person. And so that during that transition time, I was, I was nervous. I was like, man, are these kids, were these kids engaged online? Were they, you know, were they doing what they were supposed to? Are we going to come back and have to make up a lot of ground? What did they lose the previous year in seventh grade, right? Like all those thoughts, I'm sure just like all teachers across America, those thoughts were, were in our mind. And we came back in person. Obviously, things look different, right? Um, I'm a big group project group working together um, teacher and having to be in rows last year was, oh, my gosh, like a dagger to the heart. So things looked different. And I was I was a little bit nervous um, to see where their levels were at. But like I said, man, week after week, test after test, my students just absolutely astounded me. So they were engaged. They were ready to learn. They weren't using the pandemic as an excuse. They knew like, Hey, although life looks different, like my future is still very important and, and becoming a great mathematician to, to set me up for success in high school and beyond is still, is still important to me as a student, you know? And, uh, there were moments where I was like, oh my gosh, are, you know, are they going to do it? Am I going to have to lower those standards? But man, they just absolutely blew me away last year. I would tell them over and over again, like, you guys are on par with every other eighth grade class that I've been teaching, pandemic or not. They they were an amazing group of kids last year, but there were definitely things that had to be tweaked. I don't want to say that my expectations were lowered, but there were things that, you know, were different, a lot more lenient on, on late work and, and tests and things like that, having to change some maybe policies just to work around um, just the different challenges they were facing um, because of the pandemic. But I mean, they, they blew me away with how much they were still there. Um, they would show up every day, ready to work, ready to become better. And um, man, they were amazing last year. That's awesome. And I think it you t- also bring up a really great point of things may have looked different. They have definitely felt different. And our students were coming to us in a different headspace than they had in the past. But the expectations of quality of work and um, just their readiness to learn were still there. And I think that's kind of the defining factor that will help them to continue to be successful is having that really good work ethic. So whether they continue on into calculus and want to become an engineer one day, or if college algebra is the end of their math career, they still have some of those other soft skills that they learn from being in your class. A thousand percent. And I truly believe that having that normalcy within education as much as we could with those expectations and the rigor helped give them that sense of normalcy. You know what I mean? Where with everything else changing in the world and in their everyday lives, knowing that they were going to be coming to school and still have expectations and, and still here to learn, I think was also something they craved. They needed that, okay, school, even though it does look different and feel different, is still school, right? So I think that was really important. Especially, I mean, kids at that age in junior high, there are so many things kind of going on with them. They're in this very transformative time. And so just having that consistency and then also knowing that every day they had somewhere to go or someone cared about them, had high expectations for them and wanted to see them succeed. I think there is so much that can be said just about that idea of making sure that there is a caring adult in a student's life. Yeah, definitely. 
believing in them, cheering them on, knowing that they have someone in their corner for sure. Definitely. And I know you talked a little bit about you love to do group work in your classroom. Can you share a little bit about maybe what an average class period looks like for you? Yes, of course. Um, So here at Coyote Hills, we have 90 minute um, math and ELA classes um, to kind of, you know, get our students ready for that block schedule at the high school level. So this year I've tweaked a few things because at the end of my, you know, my end of the year observation last year, talking with uh, my assistant principal, I had really had like a heavy heart that, yes, my, my test scores are, are great, but I feel like I've uh, began to lost that, that human connection, that personal connection with my students because I've become so math minded. I also forget that like, yes, I'm raising up and helping create beautiful and awesome mathematicians. But I also have to remember like, I'm also trying to help shape my students into decent human beings. So something that I have really tried to implement this year is that um, personal connection, allowing a math class to um, have those personal connections bloom. So something I started doing this year was every day, as soon as they walk in, we have some sort of fun kind of opening question. For instance, every Wednesday, we have a would you rather Wednesday. So today's question was, would you rather be able to fly or would you rather um, be able to swim underwater without having or needing to take a breath. So the first 60, 90 seconds of the class period, the students are coming in kind of unpacking and they're discussing that would you rather question on Wednesdays and there, you know, many uh, debates are breaking out and they're defending why they would do one or the other or questioning each other's choices. And then after everyone's kind of settled, we do a whole group poll. Um, I ask, you know, how many would rather do this? How many would rather do that? About today, about 90% of us chose to fly and about 10% of the students chose to to swim underwater so that was an interesting so I do that again first few seconds we do like motivational Mondays uh true or false Tuesdays this or that Thursdays and funny Fridays so just something again to I feel like the math class is kind of the boring class kids dread to come to it so I wanted to add some fun um, in that way so that's the first few minutes of the day and then another thing that I've implemented to start making those personal connections is um, a conversation of the week. And so I kind of have slides up on the board that are um, a specific topic for the week. And then in their groups, again, they're kind of just discussing and they're learning how to um, listen to each other. They're learning how to have conversations maybe with people that they don't talk to all the time. They're learning how to extend conversations. And and really, I just, you know, believe that maybe the art of conversation is getting lost on our students with all of our digital technology. So really just learning to, to speak to one another. And so like, for instance, last week's topic was all about money and just a ton of different questions. How does money shape our society? What does money mean to you? Um, You know, how much money do you use in a day, a week, a month, all different types of questions. And I hop from group to group and kind of engage with them and, and help them, you know, if everyone's kind of leaning one way, I say, well, what about this? And, you know, again, just trying to really build those personal connections and I'll share funny stories, personal anecdotes to just, you know, so that there's those connections being built, something I'm super passionate about this year. Now, granted, 
first year doing it, it doesn't always look pretty and it doesn't always, you know, work out in my favor, but we're, you know, I like to call it try storming instead of just brainstorming. I'm throwing something out there. I'm going to try it and then go ahead and maybe fix and alter it along the way. So that's probably the first eight minutes of class is just those little fun kind of community building, um, connection building activities. And then we go straight into grading the previous night's homework. I'm a huge advocate for homework. Um, in the math class, students, you know, they always have this um, preconception in their head. I'm either good at math or I'm bad at math. And I try to break that as much as I can and to remind them, just like anything else in life, math, you're not going to be good at it unless you practice Michael Jordan, the first time he went onto a basketball court, probably did not make his first three-pointer, right? He practiced, he put in that hard work, and the same thing has to happen with math. So I tell them their homework is their, that opportunity to practice what they've learned, to spiral review, so that they can become, you know, those better math, mathematicians, mathematical thinkers. So we go over homework, go over any questions. I project it up on the board with step-by-step, -step, you know, questions that I did on the homework and so then after that, we'll go into like a more math opening activity. Um, all my students have individual whiteboards, another thing that I'm very passionate about um, so that I can kind of see their work as they're working a little bit on a little bit larger scale on the whiteboards. Um, a typical math opener for me is something that I call 10 facts, where I'll project something up on the board and the students using their notebook. Um, but I try to say it's an individual activity. I don't want to know what your partner knows. I want to know what you know on their own, coming up and identifying things that they know about whatever's projected on the board. Currently, we're in the functions unit. So I had a um, linear function graph up on the board. And so the students are sitting there going through their notebook, trying to tell me anything they can know on their whiteboard. So they're telling me that it's a straight line, that it's linear, that it's a function. They're identifying the slope and the intercepts. They're telling me what quadrants the graph are going through. They're telling me the domain and range. And so they're, they're sitting there trying to compile a list of how many facts um, that they can come up with. And then I have about a two and a half, three minute timer on the board for that. And then we begin to share out whole class. I'll start calling on students. They'll tell me what they, you know, what different facts we'll talk about it as a class. Like, Hey, is that true? Would that be an eighth grade level fact, things like that. And then I keep, I'm a pretty competitive uh, person at nature. So I keep tally of each of my classes, um, how many facts they get. And so that they can kind of try and beat each other like, Oh, this homeroom got this many facts. Okay. You know, we can beat them, things like that. I also make sure that their active listening is intact. So if they say a fact, that's a repeat fact they get a strike three strikes they've struck out they go back to zero so they're able to really listen to each other and, and collaborate and uh, so that's always a really fun activity for them then we'll continue on the whiteboards usually doing some spiral review of things out from that current unit I try to focus on especially whatever uh, maybe new material we're going into that day spirally spiraling anything that is going to be helpful for the for the new material so we'll spend about 10, 15 minutes going over some review questions. And then if it's a day where we're introducing new material, I have um, a interactive math notebook that I do with the students. And I tell them this is like gold. I have so many of my students who go on to high school that like email me and say like, I still use my eighth grade math notebook at the high school level. So I try to encourage my students to take really good care of them. And you know that these are gonna be uh, what, 
you know, makes or kind of breaks them in eighth grade. If you take great notes, then you'll be able to do great things. So we do interactive notes. Um, I print out half sheets of paper. They glue it into their notebook. I have a little timer up on the board. It's a little break throughout the class. They can kind of talk to their classmates as they're gluing in. And then we do very guided interactive notes, fill in the blanks. If I'm writing it on the board, you're writing it in your notebook. Pretty, um, you know, common practices. I'll do the first few problems, start kind of calling on people to help me do the next two. The last two, you know, they're trying to do on their own. I'm still doing it up on the board for any students who just need that extra support. And then when notes have concluded, I try to always let them have about 10 to 15 minutes um, of in-class time to be working independent practice on their homework. And I'll probably, most of the time, I project the homework up on the board and still do a few of the problems um, for my students, again, just to kind of have that extra um, practice and reinforcement so that they know what they need to be doing on their homework. So that's a pretty typical math day. I tell my students from the very beginning, this is a 90 minute class and you'll be working for 88 minutes of it. You'll, you'll get a minute in the beginning to unpack and about a minute at the end to pack up. So they know that when they come into Mrs. Cox's math class, they're going to be work, work, working, not really a minute of downtime, but I really believe that, uh, uh, classroom management problems happen when they when students have downtime. So I feel like if I keep them working, the less uh, trouble that I get myself into or get them into. So that's about uh, a typical day. Definitely. And I think it's good that you bring up too that while it is 88 minutes of math, it, there's activities, they're getting up, they're collaborating with each other. And so it's not just 88 minutes of straight lecturing. And so they're really getting connected to the material that they're learning, as well as to their other classmates through those early um, kind of icebreakers and things that you have every class period. Yes. Before I let you go, um, if there is a potential new teacher who has stumbled across this podcast and is listening, what is one piece of advice that you would give to any new teacher? I actually just had a um, GCU intern teacher ask me this question as well. So I've had some time to think about it. And I think the biggest piece of advice I can give is to remember that we're trying to create critical thinkers. Um, I think my students get annoyed of me at first, but I think by the end of the year, hopefully they've, they've come to appreciate it and love it. But when my students ask me a question regarding a problem on their math homework or whatever it may be, I tell them that, you know, unfortunately I'm not gonna answer your question until your notebook's open. You know, that we don't take notes uh, just to fill up time, but we're taking notes to, to help us and to use it as a guide and a resource. So then they'll grudgingly most of the time with a little bit of size of open up their notebooks. And then I, you know, begin to use guided questions for them to answer their own question. Um, and I just think that's so important that we're not here to just create robots, but we're here to, to really create, right. These students are going to be the leaders of our country one day. So to really get them to critically think. So for instance, I had a student today where we're graphing lines, um, in slope intercept form. And she came to me and said, Hey, how do I graph this, this equation here? and it was y equals negative five and I said okay okay so let's talk um 
why, why are you having trouble with this one, but you were able to do these ones. And she's like, well, the equation looks a little different. And so then I just walked her through step-by-step step of why does the equation look different and, and different things like that. And soon enough, she was able to answer her own question using her notes as a resource, using my questions to kind of help guide her. And boom, she was able to graph the line. And I try to tell my students this all the time. And again, I get a lot of eye rolls, but hopefully one day it'll come back to them and it'll, they'll appreciate it. But that's, um, when they get a job and they have a boss, their boss is probably not going to be there every 10 seconds um, for them to ask a question to. And if they are, their boss is probably going to get annoyed and they might not keep the job, the job very long. So um, I try to tell them like, hey, you're in groups. You have a notebook as a resource. Let's make sure we're able to do those things before just asking me the question, right? Make sure to, to use your notebook as a strategy, ask the people around you, maybe they're going to be able to answer it in such a way that makes a little bit more sense. And, and those kinds of things, you know, again, setting them up for when you're at a job, you're going to have to ask your coworkers or look at your emails or manuals before um, going to your boss for, for every question. So I think that's something as new teachers, we just want to be, go straight and um, answer our kids' questions to make sure they feel confident. But I think we even build more confidence as they begin to learn how to answer their own questions, what strategies and resources they can use to answer their own questions. Because like I said, I'm not going to be at home with you when you're doing this homework. So knowing what to do and how to do it is uh, another great resource. And I think that's spoken like a true math teacher, because as you were saying that, I had very vivid flashbacks to pre-calculus with um, Sarah Logan over at Kellis, and it was very much the same experience. And I would have to admit, I probably did roll my eyes once or twice just out of frustration, but I do remember most everything I learned in that pre-calculus class. Yes, I'm hoping my students will say that about me one day. Uh, well, before I let you go, Megan, is there anything else you want to share with our community that might be listening today? I just want to say a big thank you. Again, I am a product of the PUSD district and I couldn't be more happier. Uh, and I just, I just love the community. I'm so thankful to my administration and coworkers here at Coyote Hills and for the environment um, that they set and our students and families, you guys truly rock. And thank you for all your support throughout, uh, throughout this crazy time and, and just in general. Yeah, well, thank you again, Megan, so much for joining us today to talk a little bit about your classroom and some of the things that you do that are just so successful over at Coyote Hills. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Awesome. Thank you. You too. Trending Peoria is produced by Peoria Unified on a bi-weekly basis. A special thank you to our communications and public relations team, including Danielle Airy, Aaron Dunsey, Jacob Stanick, David Colley, Marquita Strunk, and Sarah Meredith. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at Peoria Unified 11, on Facebook at Peoria School District. And to stay up to date on trending Peoria, subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.